Welcome to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. And tonight, Alex and I are truly grateful to have with us Dave Kittle of the Dave Kittle Show. Uh, you can find it on Apple Podcasts and also on YouTube. Uh, follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Now, Alex and I already admit that we usually run late, but Western Caribbean people and South American people can be New Yorkers. They're always busy. And Dave, you are a busy man. I'm never too busy for you. I'm never too busy for you two. Thank you for having me. I'm feeling great. How are you guys? Pretty good. good pretty good. good. Man, well, Alex you. is still heated from the uh, Women's World Cup match this morning, but I told him nothing is going to disturb my sleep and my peace now. So I did not wake up at three o'clock to be tortured. Oh, I, I didn't get up at three o'clock. I, I got up. I woke up at halftime, but that's about the time when I normally wake up. Um because that's when I can work out. Because if I don't work out in the morning, it's just not going to happen. Um, so I caught the second half of it and um, bummed, to, to say the least. Uh, as I was telling Mo before, I just think that the world has gotten better. Um, the U.S. dominated or have dominated for quite a while now, but I think the rest of the world's catching up on the talent. So anyways. And we'll, it's similar we'll get- like that in physical therapy. I mean, you could dominate something for a while, but people are going to catch up eventually. So you have to keep, you know, doing things to stay on top. And unfortunately, the young ladies haven't. They got uh, complacent. So, speaking, they- of, so mm-hmm. speaking of keeping up and, and adapting, I mean, Dave, I know Dave and I first interacted a couple of years back on Twitter and we used to go back and forth, you know. Uh, Cowboys, Eagles, Dave's an Eagle uh, fan. Uh, <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly, baby. Listen. Fly, Eagles, fly. Let's go. Um, yeah, you, we need Top to tell the whole world. world your wife's a Cowboys fan, so you better be careful. You're going to sleep what? on the couch. What? Yeah, yeah, that's another story. My wife's from Brooklyn, but somehow she's a Cowboys fan. It doesn't make sense. Uh, it's, yeah. it's her father. Father, bad influence. Okay. <laughs> but, well, uh, you're lucky you're already married, so he can't say no, no, no. Don't marry that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I mean, talking about adapting and stuff like that. I mean, Dave, Dave's definitely made a, what I would say is a, a nice pivot, um, and he can tell us a little bit more about it. But, um, but yeah, me and Dave first interacted a couple years back on Twitter, just you know, sports banter and, and whatnot. But. Uh, from what he was doing then, you were were you a staff PT around that time, Dave? I was. I have not been a staff PT, like a W-2 employee since 2015. Okay. So it was probably real close around that time where we where we first started interacting. And I mean, you're doing, seems like you're doing real great things and look forward to, to hearing about um, what you got going on over in the, the Big Apple Uh so, yeah, let's just get into it, man. Tell us, tell us what you got going on and kind of how you got to where you are today. Because I, I think it's definitely very unique. You're kind of paving your own path, um, which is, I think, what we need more of. Yeah, amen. Um, well, first of all, it's just it's great catching up with both of you, and we've all connected. Uh, I think Mo and I more over Facebook, but um, and and I think actually Twitter as well. Back in like 2014, yeah. 2015. So. I mean, we, uh, we, we have a track record here, so it's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've done a whole bunch of things. I've always been an entrepreneur, even before I was a, a physical therapist and, a, and got my doctor of physical therapy degree. Um, 
back when you and I, so Mo and Alex and, and, you know, the Twitter sphere and Jerry Durham and all the other folks, um, I had a, an iOS and Android app and tech startup that I was selling to practice owners. It was HIPAA compliant messaging yes. and it was a, and it was a failure. Like I had to kill it. Um, we had tech, uh, tech bugs and, um, I had some of the paying customers across the country. Some of them wanted me, wanted it to keep going. Uh, but it got to the point of like my developer, there was new bugs that he was creating and he couldn't fix his own software glitches and bugs. And, um, I had to save face and I had all these customers, all these, all these practice owners paying for it across the country in 11 different States. And, um, it wasn't working at one point. And so like they had to pause and cancel their, you know, their memberships, their, their, their subscription that they were paying for. Uh, and it was brutal, really brutal. Um, because I had left my full-time job to, to do this. Right. And so it was a, it was a failure. It was a huge learning experience. The amount of customers that wanted it to keep going was not a critical mass enough to will me to put more money and effort and time into it. So massive learning experience, um, to cover the bills during that process. I started doing home visits in New York city. I live in Brooklyn, uh, and work for a couple of different companies and practices. And then eventually developed my own practice, concierge pain relief. Uh, that has grown from, you know, nothing to uh, a team of therapists and, we got through COVID. We grew during 2020 compared to 2019. So I didn't even qualify for any of the PPP loans, which is a good thing. Uh, so we got through COVID because, you know, New Yorkers wanted in-home physical therapy. If they needed therapy, they didn't want to go to an office. So COVID, uh, we did well with that. And so that's, that's kind of um, the practice and, and the main business that I'm doing now. And then we certainly can get into the other things in terms of like partnerships and, and acquisitions that we're looking at and all that. But I just think physical therapy in general is, and, I, and I'll steal this from, I think, Sturdy McKee, one of my, so he's on my board and he's my business coach and he sold his physical therapy practices years ago. Uh, and so Sturdy, I believe, coined the phrase that physical therapy is the biggest secret in healthcare. And it shouldn't be. And that's part of why I think like there's so much opportunity and hopefully we can get into that tonight. Yeah, most definitely. So you said it was a massive failure, but honestly, with every lesson for me personally, I always see that feeling forward. So yeah. if it wasn't for that, you would not have gotten into home health. So that was a blessing. COVID, as many people who I unfortunately died, it was a blessing also for my business um, because we grew during that time too. And I believe it was a great opportunity for physical therapy on a whole because a lot more disciplines got to value what we do and how we could contribute to keeping people active and mobile and functional, especially when they couldn't go into the sniffs or people didn't want to go to the hospital. So we got to capitalize on, on the value. Um, so honestly, do you think a lot of physical therapy practices are ready for technology? Because you are you are advanced thinker, so no, the answer time is no. Place, time and place, who knows? <laughs> In the next few years, it can definitely work. Uh, I think more practice owners now are ready to adopt different technologies. There's a lot more practice owners adding in, you know, devices like uh, and, and anything that I say tonight. I have nothing to sell you, by the way. No prep, no courses, no mastermind. I have no products. I don't get any affiliate fees, anything. 
but there's a lot more practice owners that are venturing into red light therapy and soft wave and, you know, different devices. I, I did a podcast episode on my show for this device that we love using. That's called the stim pod, uh, pulse radio frequency stimulation. It's amazing. I use it on myself for, you know, baseball injuries and things. I'm still, you know, playing baseball as a weekend warrior. Um, I don't get anything from it from any of these companies or anything, but um, there's definitely more practice owners adopting product technology in terms of software technology. I don't think you need much software technology to run a practice other than, you know, you have your medical record, your EMR, um, whatever you're using for payroll or HR or whatever. And then maybe some technology with like Google ads or Facebook ads. But I, I think in general, you can grow a really meaningful, impactful practice with PTOT, home health, SLP, whatever it is, um, with a minimal tech stack. I, I do agree. See, um, I do I, definitely agree. I, I, you know, obviously you mentioned that one of your first uh, endeavors was the, the, the HIPAA compliant messaging and, and how that was a failure. Um, my first question regarding that is what was your biggest lesson from that? What, what did you take that said, you know what, like I could use this moving forward. Oh man. So many. The biggest lesson is I realized that for just physical therapy or for, you know, certain healthcare areas, my company was literally like, it was just a feature and it was not a full fledged vital component to a business like an electronic medical record, any of it, you know, Hino, prompt, web PT, uh, strata PT, any of the, any of the EMRs out there, um, scheduling, billing, documentation, like revenue cycle management. It's like a full suite, massively impressive for someone to build, right? Uh, all these companies popped up in the last 10, 20 years. Uh, and those are vital mission critical pieces of software. My piece of software was not mission critical. It took me a couple of years to realize that unfortunately. But now I know if, if and when I go to invest in a tech startup or partner with someone that's doing technology or whatever, I will be able to see or identify what's mission critical. And there's other, you know, there's other therapists out there now that are creating like marketing agencies, but they're using someone else's technology. They're using click funnels or whatever, you know, someone else's technology. And then, you know, charging practice owners like a monthly fee, which is cool. It's like, it's a cash, it's like a lifestyle cash business. But if that company dies, like you're screwed. So it's not, that offering is not mission critical, right? And the, and the technology, that learning experience, I did not build a piece of technology or software that was mission critical to the health of someone's practice. It, it's interesting you say that because, uh, so obviously us three, we all do home health um, profession. Honestly, one of the things that I have the least pleasure in doing in the home health realm is having to schedule my patients for the following day, right? Um, and I'm, there's many different ways you can go about doing it, um, but it all requires some sort of time commitment and probably more of a time commitment that I honestly want to give to it. 
So mm-hmm. I've always thought, I'm like, man, if I could just come up a way to almost automate that, um, you know, that, 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 and that's that's always been, I'll save you the time and the money. And I'll, that's the same thing. That what you're saying is a feature that an EMR should build and you should never build it. Yeah. No, and but see, like in my head, I've always thought of this idea, right? But you just brought up a great point, which is mission critical. And that's something that I had never thought of because because yeah, because, I, because if I pitch it to you and say, Alex, will you pay a hundred dollars a month for this? And you're like, and if I say, give me your what's your credit card number, uh, if it's really a big issue for you, maybe you'll pay a hundred bucks a month for it, but you're not gonna pay five hundred bucks a month for it. Yeah. No, and then at the end of the day from the from like the business owner standpoint to your point is like it's not mission critical so this person at any point can say you know what i need to cut costs i need to do something you're the first one to go even though it's a nice luxury it's a nice want to have but i have that feature to run my business because i do it right now without it. i just hate doing it just because it's so time consuming but that's a great point because it's something that I personally never thought of, and I've, I've racked my brains every now and then, you know, even just to my wife. I'm like, when she's like, man, you got to go call patients. I'm like, yeah, give me like 30 to an hour. Cause I got to figure out for tomorrow. Um, yeah. Like but, where, where, where you're driving and you're going to figure out, you know, like make an efficient route. Right. Yeah. Cause the last, the, the thing that I hate the most is just, which I'm sure we all try to do is just avoid the inefficiencies in, in getting from one patient to the other. Right. So it's like it's it's how you want to line it up, but then it's how it actually lines up depending on the patient's availability and, and things that they have going on those particular days. But a great point, something to definitely think about in the tech world, because that that's you know, you learned it from from a mistake. It was a, a failure, but something that more than likely you won't repeat again. Um, so you've learned from it and you've moved on now. How has that, how did that help get your, your practice that you got going on there? Like, what did you take from that previous experience to say, okay, I'm, I make sure that this is on point so that this goes well, because obviously if you went from nothing to a team of PTs to surviving COVID, which I think surviving COVID for all of us was hard. I think for you doing it in New York, when, you know, if you think back to those days, that was like the center, right? Like yep. everything on the news. Was- oh, it was, it was wild. I was driving to patients. It was like, I am legend, the Will Smith movie, like literally no cars. It was insane. It'll probably never happen again, unless we have some new virus thing that's, you know, airborne or, or, you know, some cyber attack. I don't know something. It was wild. Yeah. In New York City, it was uh, it was like the epicenter at one point. Um, but there was enough people that wanted or needed therapy. You know, we went in with masks and gloves and whatever in the whole you know uncertain times. Uh, we just made it happen. So you're asking what what did I learn from that to kind of take into like the home visits? Um, I think a couple things. I mean, in terms of like my marketing message of how to speak with people over the phone how to, uh, what to write on your website, the, the messaging that I was putting out, then the, the reviews that people were writing for us, the patients and clients that were writing reviews for me and my therapist, 
those types of things in terms of like what we offer. So on the front end is like, what are we putting out into the world, whether it's Google ads or on our website or, or whatever. Um, and what are patients writing about us? Cause all those types of things that consumers look at, they're going to, they're going to search physical therapy near me. And then some, sometimes people find us and they're like, Oh, I, we didn't, you know, I didn't know that physical therapists come to my apartment or come to my home. And we're like, yeah, yeah. Like that's all we do. Like that's what we specialize in. Um, so the, the marketing message I learned in a way through that challenge, that failure in terms of what we were doing, how to, how to do something differently, not technology, um, but using, uh, a, a way better marketing message, modeling what works by other people, mar modeling what works in other areas of the of the internet with like hitting on like the emotional triggers, not selling physical therapy, not offering physical therapy, not saying, you know, we can get your back better by doing, you know, PA mobilizations, right? It, people don't care about that. They, they care about getting back, you know, getting back to doing the things that they love, the things that they can't do right now. That's all someone cares about, especially in New York city. So people want to be active and, and move. And my previous uh, experience with initial, um, I didn't have any of those marketing chops. I didn't have any of the, uh, the, the, the ethical sales, the ethical um, persuasion or pre-suading uh, potential patients or clients or, or back then customers that were practice owners. So that's probably the biggest thing. Um, well, I did take a look at your website and it was very catchy. We, if you have pain, call us. Now, does your practice take insurance or you're strictly cash-based? We take out-of-network insurance, so we outsource it to a medical biller. So we take, you know, the major United Healthcare, Cigna, Oxford, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Aetna. Uh, we take like the major five or whatever uh, out-of-network. We'll check everyone's insurance on the front end. Um, because we'll get people that reach out, but we let them know just to be, you know, to save everyone time. Like we'll let them know, like, you know, we don't take this Medicaid or we don't take Medicare or um, we'll let them know like that we're out of network with these insurances. A lot of times people don't know what that means. A lot of healthcare providers don't even know what all this insurance stuff means anyway. Right. And so um, it's kind of like an educational process. It's not like someone's people don't always know what they want until you kind of show them. And so our sales process is just conversational. It's multiple touch points. It might be like they call in, they speak to the answering service, they get their insurance information, they, they pass that on. We will call them back, let them know that we're checking their insurance. But in that process, we're, we're, we're starting to build a, you know, build rapport, um, start to build a relationship and all that. But yeah, we, we do take out of network insurance. Uh, we're about 50-50, so out of network insurance and then the rest is private pay at any given time. Yes, uh, I think the hybrid model is is the way to go, uh, both cash pay and insurance, whether it's in network or out of network. Now, what's in the name? You chose concierge pain relief. Concierge is sexy. It's different. It's like a boutique stuff. And you have pain relief. That's what everybody wants, to be free from pain so they can do stuff, especially New Yorkers. They want to continue with their life. They don't want to be riddled at home in pain. So... Did you consider that as a marketing tool when you chose the name? Yeah, I think I also failed terribly with initial because people were like, is it V initial? Is, <laughs> is it 
I had, you know, practice owners. Is it Vinatol? I mean, it was terrible, terrible. I mean, this is the thing with entrepreneurship is like, you, you just learn, you got to learn, you got to get scar tissue. You got to learn. Like I got another story about a, a $13,000 issue that I can tell you guys about. That was another learning that happened in the last six months. Um, so with initial, I was like, Oh, initial evaluation, initial, put the, the V from, evaluation i was terrible branding right so you're asking about concierge pain relief i wanted it to be mm. very like fourth grade reading level very obvious now some people don't even know what concierge means but enough people in new york city they they kind of know that that means like bespoke unique um either they come Special. to you or they yeah they, they they know that they know that there's it's a little higher quality potentially it's premium and cost potentially right I wanted pain relief because it's very straightforward. If someone has pain, they want pain relief. And I was at a crossroads of like pain relief versus balance because half of our clientele are busy executives that have back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, knee pain. And then the other half of our clientele are older than 65. They might have Parkinson's, MS, balance, neuro issues, dizziness, right? So I was really at a crossroads of like, you know, how do you, how do I speak to, I have like two avatars. I have two ideal clients, not one. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know most businesses should have just one, but I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, oh, but like for this in-home concierge model, like I've been doing this, you know, when I started, you know, working for other companies back with, you know, Vinicial and I was like, I needed, you know, to pay some bills. And like, and when that was, when that was falling apart, I was like, I got to do home visits. Right. So I realized with this home model, at least in New York city, I don't know about anywhere else but it's those two folks, those two people. It's someone who's 40 to 65 years old, a busy professional, lawyer, executive, their time is their biggest asset. They want someone to come to them. They don't want to go to an office. They have those orthopedic issues. That's one. And then the other is the 65 plus individual who wants to stay independent. They want to you know, thrive at home. They want to stay in control of their health and wellness and their medical decisions and their life choices and their life decisions and not have their family make decisions. On their behalf, you can tell that I know my ideal target customer very well. And, and everybody needs to. So this is a good lesson to everybody who's listening. And, and, so, and so I, I I settled with pain relief. But I mean, if I had to do it again, I don't know. Maybe I would just call my practice like balance pain relief or, or something like that. I don't know. But but that's what I went with. And uh, and this, you, have to, you, have to, you have to make a decision at some point. You got to just... You got to just put the flag in the ground and you just got to keep going. Okay. This is perfect because even though you have balance issues and you, you don't want your family members to be in everything, trying to, you know, stifle your life, making you feel like you're old. Mom, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> uh, yes, Alex, I'm apologizing. So that, that could be a pain point for them. So it is pain relief. You going in there, working on their balance. So perfect name. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you mentioned what your two your two avatars are. I, I think home health, I, I think you can apply that to home health as a whole. Um, you know, in, in my world over here, I'm not getting too many of those younger, you know, the, that 40 to 60 range. Um, because at least here in the Tampa area, that individual is going to either go to outpatient um, or they're going to find more of that concierge uh, PT type, not the 
your true home health uh, that, that, that I deal with, right? So I'm dealing through insurance base and, and I contract with different, with different agencies and see their patients for them. Um, so it's just a totally different model, but I think the patient population is still pretty consistent across the board, right? Um, and, and that's where you have to be able to, to, to meet them where they are, right? Like, you know, you, you mentioned pain relief. I think everybody, some form or fashion at any point in their lives, they need and want pain relief, right? So when you're searching in New York City and its surrounding areas, I need pain relief. Like, I'm sure you're at the top somewhere, right? So right, it's right. a real easy, quick catch phase that is really going to grab almost everybody, right? And then, and then it's up to you to kind of, you know, go through it, figure out, you know, are we a good match for each other? Um, if we are, awesome. This is how we go through it. If you're not, hey, maybe let me guide you in this way, right? Because I, I think it goes back to, you know, something we've said on this show before. It's like there's more than enough piece of the pie to go around, right? So not every oh, yeah. patient is going to be for concierge pain relief. That's not – you're not trying to hit everybody. You're trying to hit your two, right? And if there's somebody that comes that doesn't necessarily fit in the two – or there's a variable, be it insurance, whatever the case may be, you guide them because even that can come back as a benefit to you because it's like, man, I couldn't use Dave and his team, but they got me to the right people. So if there's something that I can do, you know, I'm going to go to Dave first. Maybe he can get me to somebody else that might need me. Or at some point I just may need Dave myself. So. Absolutely. So you learned from your previous experience. You came up with the name. I love the name. Now, I see on your website, you're using like a cool tool on people. What is that, Dave? Yes, and I don't get any commission or affiliate fee or anything. We, we understand. I, I, have, I, I, have, I, have, I happen to have it right next to me. Okay, so th th this, this I, think, I think, so if you are a physical therapist, an OT, PT, um, I believe... And again, I don't get, I'm not trying to sell anyone anything, but if you take this idea, this is an idea, mm -hmm. two or $3,000 investment, I think you can turn it into a thousand, $100,000. So two or $3,000 investment. This is the butterfly IQ. Maybe we could do a quick demo if you want. You plug sure. it in, you, you plug it in your iPhone. Now, is that allowed in all states or is it limited based on um, uh, scope of practice? Uh, well, I only check New York, but okay. I'm, I, I'm pretty sure it's allowed in most states. So this this is diagnostic ultrasound. So okay. um, all you have to do mm -hmm. here now now you got to you got to learn. It takes six months or whatever to learn it, right? But do you have I to learned, get a certificate I, in it? You you do not have to get a certification. You could just start charging cash if you want. I mean, speak to your lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, <laughs> but you could or you could potentially not charge. But there's a downstream marketing effect, right? Okay. And so really quick so you plug it in it's like boom it comes up on the screen and if i put some if i put some uh no that's my phone if i put some ultrasound gel on here uh -huh. just for a little bit of a, a of a show here and then let's say you know carpal tunnel move my phone 
And like immediately, it's incredible. Look at this. Like there, there's wow. my carpal tunnel. Yeah. Right. So I use this. I started learning through a, a company that I think is now uh, no longer offering courses. It was called Sono Optics. But you could, you could learn a lot of major joints. Shoulder is really easy. Supraspinatus is really easy. You just hold it in front of the shoulder, at you know the arm in a certain position. This blows patients away. If you are a practice owner, I don't understand why you would not have this in your practice. You don't have to spend $20,000 to have a big, uh, a big diagnostic ultrasound machine. You could upgrade over the, you know, over time. And eventually as we, you know, get into our practice and, and partner with practices or buy practices, like that's part of my plan. That's part of our growth plan. And I don't understand like why other practices aren't doing this, but Physical therapists are smart. PTs, OTs, we're all smart. Um, this is something that you spend $2,500 on this device if you wanted to, $2,500. You spend six months learning. You, you, you use it on your friends, your family. You can kind of see what joints and soft tissue, what's what's normal supposed to look like, what is abnormal supposed to look like. It's, it's fairly straightforward. The downstream effects of this is I started to get referrals from my patients mm -hmm. to their friends and family. And they had previously maybe written like really good Google reviews. Like for example, I, a client from 2020, he wrote me a Google review that, you know, Dave, Dr. Dave, thank you so much. My back pain is healed and I'm able to touch the ground for the first time in 14 years. That was like approximately his Google review, right? But he referred me to a friend and the friend said, yeah, uh, I got on the call with a, his friend and the friend said, yeah, so-and-so mentioned that you have some like portable imaging device to come to my home or my office. It sounds amazing. And I'm like, like of all the things that this patient could have said about the experience with me that I come to the home, we do 60 minutes. I take his out of network insurance hands-on, I treat the, the patient half the time in his home, in his apartment, half the time in his office, convenience, all that. But he was so wowed by this portable diagnostic ultrasound that we could look into, uh, in that case, then I was looking, he had a whole bunch of issues. So we were looking at his shoulder and his hip and a whole bunch of other things. And I know therapists are watching and thinking like, yeah, there's the whole liability thing. And like, that's part of the training and there's, you know, you get some liability insurance and all that. A lot of therapists I think are too fear of fear, like averse. And, um, but this is something that patients are blown away by and it helps build the patient Alliance, the, the trust it builds adherence and compliance to the game plan, the treatment plan. And then they'll be more likely to complete the plan of care, less cancels, less drop-offs. Even if you never charge for this, if you just like learn, you spend again, 2,000, 3,000, whatever dollars, you go on YouTube, you get obsessed like I did, and you just watch every diagnostic ultrasound video on YouTube. Uh, I went on LinkedIn, I started following people that do diagnostic ultrasound. It's really easy. You just look at images and it's like, okay, so this is what I'm looking for. This is what normal looks like. Let me check my own joint. Here's what normal looks like. And then here's what a partial tear looks like. Here's what a, a rupture looks like. Here's what a cyst looks like. Here's what swelling looks like. Here's what a rib fracture looks like from this. It's incredible. I could talk all day on it. Um, but this is something that I think that anyone that is interested 
I think it builds a, a therapeutic alliance better with patients than anything I've ever seen, including like my own, I thought I had confidence. I thought I had skills. I thought I had, you know, communication skills and clinical skills and uh, this great service that, you know, we bring to people. But then we started doing this and like the response is better and different. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it, but I'd be happy to talk more about it. Well, human beings want confirmation and having an x-ray done, an MRI done gives them confirmation that, look, my pain is, is justified. So I do agree with you. That definitely builds that therapeutic um, alliance as well, too. And for people who are doing mobile cash PT, it, it's a worthy investment because they could charge cash for it for the evaluation, put it part of your evaluation um, assessment. So, and make your money back. Or, or, the, first, or, or the first year you try to scan as many patients or residents in your community. You just try to scan as many people as possible. And I guarantee the word of mouth referrals from that, you will, you'll be, you'll have a waiting list of a month. Like you won't even be, uh, you'll be so busy. You'll have to hire a therapist. I, that's like, that's, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen patients eyes. Like you mm -hmm. said, the confirmation when you, when you take this out of your bag and you're in their home or their office and, you're, you're showing them like they're, they're reaching overhead and you're like, okay, see that, see how the supraspinatus is kind of catching on the acromion or, or whatever it might be. Um, you could literally not charge for it. You could charge out of pocket, like you're saying. You could also say it's part of the evaluation. It's part of the progress eval and just not charge for it or just try to scan people. Like, like people do like free assessments at these like health fairs and this and that, like just, just scan people. Like just for free, you'll get practice and people will probably still refer to you even though you didn't even charge them. And maybe they're not even like a full patient, make them sign some, you know, release form or whatever. Um, there, there's just so much opportunity in this. And it's, it's something that um, my baseball buddies ask me about all the time. And a lot of those guys are, you know, in their thirties or forties or fifties and, and, and they love it. The same thing. Like they're no different than anyone else. Like they, want this you know this new cool thing that they don't have to go to a radiology office they don't have to go to an office with an, an extra copay with an extra travel um it, it's something that i think any mobile concierge therapist should certainly consider and maybe even in home health especially like if you you know have your own practice your own company uh don't don't worry i've been thinking about it <laughs> I now, think I was sold. <laughs> is it only you or do you, does your team also carry one of those at this time so right now it's only myself so um annie also will use it from time to time and then i have uh hopefully in the near future we'll be hiring uh another full-time physical therapist that will be uh you know trained and, and go through that and then the more that i have therapists that are either part-time or full-time, ideally full-time. Um, and if they're interested, like we're, we're going to invest in them. Like we'll, we'll pay for extra training and courses and, you know, an extra unit or whatever. So like, as of right now, we have one unit, um, but I would love for my therapist to each have a unit. Now, and congratulations on the growth, Dave. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm getting there. Now your wife's a PT as well, right? Correct. Is she working with you? She is. So she, she already had her own private clients. 
uh, years ago. Quick story in 2020, her company, cause <clears throat> they were having, you know, every, every company was like, this is crazy with COVID going on. <clears throat> so her company changed everyone's, you know, at some point in the next couple months, they were like, all right, we're going to go from fixed salaries to half fixed salaries, half performance pay. She's doing, you know, ortho neuro and peds. And she, with peds, like it has to be one-on-one and the productivity was based off of completed visits, I believe. And so she was the clinic director, but would not have been able to hit into the productivity numbers as a staff therapist, even though she was staff therapist, but also a clinic director. And so, so her compensation was probably going to be less, even though she's doing the, the roles of a clinic director. So it would have been less compared to that change. And I was like, it was 2020, but I was like, I was like, you have your pay, your private patients right now. Like that's all you, I had these Google ads dialed in. I, I mean, I spent $22,000 in 2020. I've, I spent $22,000 just on Google ads, but we got back, you know, every patient spends a thousand or two with us or more. And so we, we did well. And I said, I have Google ads dialed in. So if you want, I can get you busy in the next couple months and we'll be fine. And, you know, then she has been working with me ever since. Awesome. Nice, nice, nice. And we, you know, that's a whole other thing. Do I suggest that to everyone else watching? <laughs> Maybe not, but it takes a ton of, it takes a ton of communication. Uh, it takes a ton of uh, laying out and managing expectations up front. And then also over time, as things evolve, whether, you know, compensation, like, dude, like, every, like all sensitive topics. With that. <laughs> so when your wife shows up and she's like, hey, I, I need a ring. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly but uh, uh but yeah but yeah i mean we're we're you know home visits and uh it's it's i don't know how it is and i understand listen like out of pocket and all that like it's not for everyone and it's not for everywhere but at least here in new york city and i think in most metros like it's it's definitely like there's a there's always a need and I don't know, you know, I, I really don't know how it is elsewhere in rural areas. I'm sure like, you know, and there always needs, listen, there always needs to be the safety net and, you know, the, the subsidized service and care and insurance for folks. But um, at least for our area in New York City, like there's a need for it. It's not for everyone, but, you know, there's no practice. There's no business out there that's for everyone. And are your therapists 1099 or are they employees? Uh, we have a mix of both. Okay. But, but, but every, like when I first started, Mm -hmm. Everyone was 1099, you know, um, I learned a ton from that. Like, you know, there's, there's pros and cons there. So we can, we can, you know, get into that if we need to. Uh, definitely. So ours are 1099s. Uh, we haven't ventured into the W2 uh, areas yet, um, but it's probably there in the future. But for now, we're comfortable with the 1099s to give people the ability to become their own solo entrepreneurs as well, too. So one thing that I heard, I don't know, do you guys, do you know, Iris Kimberg? She's kind of popular, like in the New York city area and also online. She's, she's like a consultant, but she sold like a, a really large uh, home health company, but years ago to oh, okay. maybe it was to health South or something like, like I think maybe 20 years, 20 plus years ago. Um, and she said something on my show when I interviewed her, she said, it was really interesting your 1099s mm -hmm. are individuals who have one foot out the door. 
Mm. And I was like, and I was like thinking like, yeah, but like, you know, there's great tax benefits and I don't have to, you know, I don't have to pay their uh, payroll taxes and like they're pay, they're, I have to, I pay my 1099s like per visit. Right. So it's like every visit's profitable and yeah. you know, like there's minimal risk to me. Like there's some risk, but like, you know, there's, there's not that much risk. Right. But then she said that to me and I'm like, and then I was thinking like, yeah, that therapist moved to Arizona. This therapist moved away. This therapist moved back home. This therapist, like all these therapists, like, over you know because covid um changed my my team like a lot of you know we have new therapists we have a lot of new therapists now compared to before covid mm. um and almost almost like a complete change and that's because as at 1099 you're one foot out the door meaning you're it's easier for you to kind of just you find a new situation full time somewhere else whether it's another state or somewhere else in your you know town or city it's easy for that individual to just leave your company mo or leave my company um it's just easier like you know they're like potentially one foot out the door they don't have as much like the w2 with the health insurance and all that it it's it, there's more retention it's stickier for most people on average it, it can be but uh that's kind of changing some people just don't show up at all and next thing you know they're <laughs> they're working somewhere else if they're w2 and they will send you a letter saying Hey, I'm going to quit in two weeks, but I'm going to take a vacation or PTO. And they're out the door. Oh, even boy. With, even yeah, with, yeah. I've seen it happen at W2 companies. <laughs> so. Listen, I, I think in today's world, it, it's it's a much different beast than, than probably it was when we were first coming up and, and even in PT school, right? I mean, it's much more of a for good or bad. It, it's much more of a me uh situation right like what's good for me i'm only gonna worry about me um type of deal and like you know today i was having a conversation with one of the owners of a home health agency that i contract with because you know when i walk into a patient's home my thing is like i need to make sure that whatever i'm doing is of value to that individual um, and if I can't provide a value, then I really don't need to be there. Um, and I explain that to the patients and nine out of 10 times, they're very grateful that I'm straightforward and honest with them and, and not trying to, to do that. But I tell the owner, I'm like, look, if you give me a start of care and I walk in there and the patient's answering the door, walking completely normal, no assistive device, no nothing. I sit down, we have a quick conversation. I'm not going to admit that patient. I could turn around and admit the patient and make money for myself, right? Because I'm going to bill you for my visit. But I already know that this patient is either going to cancel or just flat out refuse moving forward. And, and at the end, because, because they're walking fine and they don't need skilled care? Is that what you mean? No, no, no. Because they're just high functioning, right? So we get a referral... I go out to, to kind of do the admission in observating and talking to the patient. I, I know and get verified that they're not interested in, in, in home health therapy. They don't. Traditional, they, traditional home health. Yeah, traditional home health. Not, not like what you're doing, uh, Dave, but traditional home health. They don't need it. They were just in the hospital for a medical pro, you know, problem or whatever the case may be. Now, they're normal. They're functioning at their normal high level. Everything is good. 
I'm not going to waste that individual's time, right? I could easily turn around and admit the patient bill for my visit, make my money and know that the owner is going to lose money on that patient because they're going to cancel all the visits, right? So that's where it gets a little tricky with, with the insurance stuff, especially with what I'm, you know, mainly deal with, which is your Medicare's, your commercials, your HMOs, your stuff like that. You don't have that buy-in from the patient all the time, right? When somebody's cash pay, or even in your case, out of network, there's some skin in the game for them, right? So they have to be motivated. They have to be that patient that wants that care from you, right? When we're dealing with this other stuff, not all of it is like that. So, you know, I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to waste my time. So it's just a matter of not only looking out for myself, but trying to keep my business relationships profitable, right? Because if he's making money, I can make money. Um, yep. But if he's not making money, guess what? My, my caseload is going to go down. I'm not going to be able to make money. And it's just thinking about, you know, everybody involved, not just kind of me. And to your point, you know, the halfway out, that 1099, yeah, it's easy to say, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this person. or I'm not going to deal with this company. I'm just going to take off. And as a business owner, it could leave you in a in a in a funny situation if you're just now don't have the coverage for what you thought you had the coverage and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think it makes sense. I'm a 1099. Uh, and, and, you know, when you said that, it kind of rings true because it gives me the flexibility and the freedom to do what I feel is best for me. Um, but at the same right. time, who I am as an individual I don't just worry about me. I kind of look at everything else and try to make sure that we're all winning and, and we're all getting a, a piece of the pie. Um, but to kind of change courses now, so you've got the concierge pain, but you've also been doing some other pretty cool stuff with, you know, uh, looking at PT businesses, you know, looking at acquiring, selling, those kind of things, right? Correct. Um, it's, you know, some of the, the biggest entrepreneurs in the world are, they don't start one thing, they, they buy other things. So that's like the simplistic way to look at it, which is like buying, buying revenue rather than creating revenue. I know I've started a bunch of things from scratch and it is hard to start something from scratch. And so that's why there's, uh, that's why we think there's an opportunity whether it's, and listen, you have to pay market rate. You have to pay like whatever. Um, and that's, you know, we can get into that, but you have to, you know, it's either buy or build, right? So with, uh, with crude staffing agency, it's, so Mo started that from scratch, most likely because it's your name. And so you are building it from scratch the way I built concierge pain relief from scratch. And the, you know, we build these companies from scratch, but uh, another staffing company that's a little bit bigger or some magnitude larger, uh, they might want to come into Monique's area and they might want to partner or uh, partner, meaning buy 51% or more or buy, which is buy, you know, 51% of equity or more. And it's kind of a little, you know, a little bit of like semantics there, but it is a partnership unless they're going to buy her out hundred percent. Then it is kind of like, you know, an acquisition or a deal, like a, like an actual exit. Um, but there's a lot of practice owners out there that either need help or they're burnout or they don't have an exit strategy or they don't have a succession plan. 
And so I've had other mentors that have done this in other, other vertical, like other industries, but then also in healthcare and in physical therapy. And so uh, that's something that I've been, you know, learning and, and looking at over the past several years. And, uh, and so finally, now we're, we're looking to uh, partner with practices. We, we've learned a lot. We've put in offers and we've had a lot of, a lot of offers and letter of intents um, turned down because we think it's, we think it's worth X. They think it's worth Y, you know? And so that's, that's part of the, that's part of the whole process. I mean, I feel like it's very similar, you know, I'm not actively doing right now, but a couple of years ago I was in real estate. Right. So, and I feel like it's probably a lot like that. You know, I always remember dealing with homeowners who are looking to sell their property. Um, there's an emotional attachment to it. Right. And, and that emotional attachment is going to add a couple zeros. It's going to add a couple dollars uh, to, to the, the project. Right. So it's, getting people to understand like, yeah, I know this is your baby, right? Because like you're saying, most of these people have started it from scratch. So they've put blood, sweat and tears into it. And there's an emotional component. And, and to that individual, the emotional component is worth X amount of dollars. But when somebody like yourself comes at it, looks at it from an unbiased uh, standpoint, you know, the, the numbers may not be that. So that, that I, I can imagine that being very similar because yeah, somebody's put in a lot of time and effort into building something and they feel it's worth something. Um, but sometimes it's just kind of hard to see through all of that to say, Hey, this is what it, it goes for in the market today. Right. So, um, exactly. and so have you acquired any, any big uh, businesses yet or is that still so so my, <clears throat> my board members have um but my thing that we've started is called the Fieldmaker group and so i'm like the majority shareholder in that and so we've gotten very close to circle back on the thirteen thousand dollar issue or thirteen thousand dollar mistake that i mentioned earlier uh we were very close to uh, a deal our first acquisition in in like february uh long story short <clears throat> The practice owner that we were looking to, the practice that we we're looking to acquire, uh, we got their 2022 financials in February. So a little, a little, you know, pre like pre tax planning, um, and we had talked to this practice owner all of last year, all of 2022, and uh, in February we get these financials for 2022 that are you know pre audit or pre you know pre tax prep. And it showed a $160,000 loss. And we, I mean, we were ready to pay, I mean, not a huge number. And I'd rather, you know, I'm not going to say the number, but I mean, not, not, not a huge number, but like, like a, like a, a decent number for. It's a, it's a, a significant amount of money. It's a yeah, significant yeah. amount of money. Like, like, like a house, like we'll call it like a house, right? Like a house number, <laughs> an average house number somewhere. So, so we were, you know, we had, um, we had, they had, they had signed a purchase agreement. It was a one-sided binding purchase agreement. So I have a healthcare lawyer law firm that's a specialist and all they do is healthcare deals. And um, so we drafted this really, what we thought very clever, one-sided binding. So meaning they sign it, but then we get an extra 30 days for to finish due, due diligence. They signed it, meaning they have, they're locked in, but we're, we have an out, we're able to get out. So beautiful thing. That's, you know, that's why it's so vital to have lawyers and representation. Um, but anyway, we found that the 
practice owner was kind of like either hiding either hiding this hundred sixty thousand dollar loss, or was you know had taken the eye off the ball basically, uh, mm. and so we luckily had the out to 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 get away, and then then my legal bill was like thirteen thousand dollars, and that sucks, right? But well, that was a thirteen thousand dollar lesson this year. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Wow. I mean, I mean, my my uh, my board members were like, you know, hey, it's like uh, a thirteen thousand dollar lesson or a thirteen dollar thirteen thousand uh, dollar. Yeah, I'm sorry, a thirteen thousand dollar lesson or a thirteen thousand dollar insurance policy on some like that helped you not buy that thing because it was basically like we thought it was, you know, and and I was blinded by other things, right? So I was like, it was like in a good area. I mean, it had good nearby restaurant. You th talk about real estate, so there was there was really good branded companies nearby I won't, i'm not going to say who because i don't want to give details but you walk out and it was like a good location it was near a good subway station it you know it had major banks nearby it had major retailers nearby um oh man i was like we got we got you know we got a little blinded by the good parts And, you know, when my friend's accountant really got into the numbers and that's why he's on my board and, and he's helped me massively with the, the financial side, um, you know, it was like, I don't know, was this guy hiding it? I, we don't know. He, he says he wasn't, but it's like, are you, so then are you that bad of a business person or who knows? But anyway, a big, big lesson. Uh, and, and, you know, this is business. So these lessons, I, I suppose, will continue to come. Absolutely. It's just part of it. I mean, I, I think if if you're doing anything, business, rela personal relationships, whatever it may be, if you're not failing, then I don't know that you're necessarily on the right track, right? Because none of us here is perfect. Um, we've all made mistakes. We will continue to make mistakes. Um, that's just part of life, you know? Like, so it, it's always better to catch them sooner rather than later. Um, and to your point, yeah, 13K sucks, but it could have turned into a lot more than 13K oh, had yeah. it gone through, right? So just uh, the price of doing business. But yeah, I mean, well, it, it sounds interesting. I mean, it, it's always to me something that is like cool, but not going to lie, very scary, <laughs> um, you know, from, from a financial aspect and, and everything that goes involved with it. Uh, but definitely, you know, definitely interesting and unique that, that you've got that kind of going on. And it, it looks, you know, that, like you said, you, you've got this big entrepreneurial spirit that you've always had and, and you've got multiple things going on. Right. So earlier you mentioned exit strategy for some of these business owners. And this to me is part of my assumption your exit strategy, right? Because the more that you can set yourself up in different places makes it a lot easier for your wife and you to start slowly stepping back from it while still having um, this plan in place, right? Like we always think about um, starting a business and running a business, but we don't live forever. We don't work at the high rate forever. Um, and at some point we've got to be able to step back Um, you know, I had the opportunity growing professionally to 
Um, they're big down south, but it was like uh, the Benjamin Franklin plumbing franchises and, and stuff like that here in you know the south. Um, the guy that that kind of developed that, right? So he developed that, franchised it, and he would just go around repeating that different businesses, different things. And, and one of the big things that he always talked about was an exit strategy. Like his, his thing was, let me start it, build it, get out, start it, build it, get out. Um, and then that way you always have your, your exit to do whatever it is that you want, whether it's to start another business or to spend time and be with your, your spouse, your family, whatever the case may be. Or if you just get to that point in life when you're like, you know what, man, I'm done. You're not still working yourself into the ground because you don't know what else to do, right? Like, it's not like you can say, hey, tomorrow we're just closing up shop. I mean, you could, but that wouldn't be the most ideal situation. Um, so pretty, pretty cool stuff you got going on, man. So, yeah, Dave, I mean, so, with, with, with all that being said, because... Um, as you said, a lot of us are building because it's all babies. So sometimes it's hard to let go. And you might think, yeah, I could pass this down to my kids if you have children, but your kids may not be interested in, in doing physical therapy. Look, we have a huge turnover rate in the profession right now. People are graduating, but you can't find them to work. Uh, the labor force is done. So a lot of people do not have a succession strategy or an exit strategy. A lot of clinicians, too, may start their private businesses, whether it's the mobile PT, the concierge PT, uh, the cash PT, because, you know, it, it's cool to do, but they're basing it off of their clinical skills, not knowing the numbers. They're not following a balance sheet. They're not budgeting. They're not doing the necessary step to determine their cash flow and what's needed. Um, so when it comes time to wanting to sell, they had a loss and stuff like the $140,000 loss you discover when you're actually cleaning up your, your accounts. So I also think this is a great opportunity for those of us who know better to be able to mentor those who need it. And a lot of people sometimes don't know that they need it because it's not, you know, circling around until it's too late, but, as I said, great opportunity to be mentoring uh, those about business because a lot of stuff that I've been learning over the seven years in, in business, I had no idea in PT school. None. <laughs> Absolutely none. And one thing that I admire about you with uh, the Venezuela stuff is that you knew when to quit. A lot of us sometimes don't know when to quit and we just keep going and digging ourselves in deeper and deeper and deeper holes and it, it can get messy so i i think i think that that part you have to have some the, the, this is the this is the like dichotomy i think is mm. how you would say it which is like you have to have like maybe 50 percent like aggressive energy and momentum but then also the other 50 percent has to be like self-awareness and like knowing when to quit or walk away right and yeah. that was like um 
it was just, it was just obvious at that point, even though I had some customers that were like begging me for, you know, to keep it going and they were using it and they were, you know, they were using it with their patients. The patients were, you know, messaging in the schedule visits, reschedule to ask questions about their home exercise program, whatever. So, I mean, it was amazing that like I created something that people are actually using and that found it valuable. Um, but then at the same point, again, it was not, it was not fully, it was not like, I didn't fully have product market fit. And so I think everyone's self-awareness will always continue to improve and evolve. But like, yeah, it's like that balance of like pushing forward, like, you know, just the drive to like improve your, your life, your, your customer, your patients, your, your clients' lives, whatever it might be. But at the same time, there has to be that, that self-awareness there. And so it's kind of maybe like a balancing act uh, at any given time. Yeah, most, most definitely. Uh, failure is a great teacher. The biggest lesson experience is the biggest lesson. Oh, yeah. Failure is needed. Failure is needed. I mean, you, you can't be scared to fail. Um, just got to, you know, it, you, you, you never necessarily lose. You either learn or you get better, you know. So just got to keep doing and, and take those lessons and, and keep it moving. Well, Dave, man, definitely want to thank you for your time. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you on with us. Um, definitely much more success to you um, and your wife in, in your endeavors. And, and we look forward to, to just following you guys and, and seeing what you got going on, man. So thank you again so much for, for taking the time to be with us tonight. And, um, yeah, we look forward to, to having you, to seeing what's going on with you. Yeah, wait, wait, Alex, before, thank, before thank, you guys you so go, much. before you guys go, since I'm not a supporter in the NFC East, um, wait, Dave, wait, wait, wait! I thought, I, thought, I thought you were—I thought you were a Washington fan. Hold on. Please, oh, no! Do not listen Eagles, to Alex. I didn't bring any stuff. Hold on. <laughs> please, please! I don't know why you guys listen to Alex when he does that stuff. Listen, I'm a Ravens fan. I'm a Ravens fan. No, Man, she's a Ravens fan. I, I don't think I have any Eagle stuff nearby. Hold on. Keep, keep going. Keep going. She, okay. she, she lives. She lives in Maryland. She hey, Baltimore's in Maryland. Denies, denies her commander's affiliation. <laughs> Although I they thought, got wait, new... I thought, wait, I thought that was your team, Mo. I thought that was your team. Am I? Was that something Alex was just making up? No, no, Alex no, 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 just no, no, made no. it up because Mo. Mo. I Mo. always hustled him about um, Alex. I've never been. I've never <laughs> been a Redskins commanders. Whatever they Listen, call them. She conveniently <laughs> went over to Baltimore. And then the minute she gets to Baltimore, they start losing. So it's no, 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 Dev, don't listen to Alex, okay? But I'm predicting since you guys still have Jalen that you guys will finish number one in the NFC East. So fly, fly. <laughs> uh, we're, we're in the Super Bowl this year. And, and also, Alex is such a mensch that years ago there was a, there was a, there was a little um, – like a like a bet, Alex yeah. and I and, and Josh Fede from Twitter. Who I don't like, I haven't talked to Josh in years, and we said whoever's team wins the Super Bowl, the other two have to send a their, that team's jersey, the winning Super Bowl team's or T-shirt to to the one of the three, right? Uh -huh. And so so the Eagles won, uh, it beat the Patriots, and and to Alex and Josh's credit, they sent me a shirt, yeah. an Eagles uh, Super Bowl shirt. And uh, every year, I'm just so thankful. Every time the Cowboys get knocked out, I'm like, I don't have to send Alex a shirt. 
<laughs> Listen, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. <laughs> Every year he says that. Every year he says that. This but he's, no he's, good. he's good on keeping his word, though. Very good on keeping his word. So I can hey, definitely listen. attest to that. I, so. I make a bet. I make a bet. But yeah, <laughs> we'll definitely revisit come uh, come football time. I think we play early on in the season, if I remember correctly. So um, won't won't be too much before we start getting at it here on these footballs, man. But it's uh, yeah, a lot just, of fun. I just I I don't know why I didn't hear from Alex at all last year when the Eagles went on a run. They were in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I didn't hear from Alex he, at all. You man. know, like. <laughs> all you got was a couple extra games and you ended up on the couch right with me. That's all you got was a couple extra games. Well, we were in the big game, but you know, we choked. We, we were up, we we're up 10 and a half time. We choked. It, it was the field. It was slippery. Don't worry about it. I know, but, but next both time, teams have to play time. on it. Next That's time. Right. Next That's time. right. Again, bro. Thank you very much, man. Really appreciate you uh, to all of our viewers. Please continue to watch, support, like, share, retweet, all that good stuff. We really do appreciate you guys. And as always, everybody have a wonderful night and be blessed. All right. Thanks. Thank you.